Good morning, Grove. How y'all doing this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. My name is Rand, and I'm with the men of Nehemiah. So grateful you guys came today. I didn't know you guys were coming, man. Thank you so much. It's always an honor and a privilege to come and spend time with you guys. I've come here a couple times before. You guys are always so gracious. And on the behalf of the men of Nehemiah, we're just so grateful for our partnership over the years. You guys have really blessed our ministry. And I never take it lightly when I get to share what God has put on my heart. And that's exactly what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the heart. This is an area where the Lord has been working on me lately. And I believe that when I'm preaching, preaching period should come from a place of transparency because we're all the same. And what I found is that the spiritual life is not linear, right? There's peaks, there's valleys, and there's seasons. And in the season that I'm in right now, in my prayer time, in my quiet time, in my devotion time, what the Lord is saying to me through his word, I'm not just pulling it out of thin air, is give me your heart. Give me your heart. I want all of you. And the more we grow in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, the more he reveals what's inside of us. And all in the Bible, Old Testament and New, we see verse after verse where God is concerned with what's inside of us. Not so much about the outward appearances, but what's going on inside of our hearts. And what we find is that our biggest problem is not what's happening on the outside, but what's happening on the inside. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about our emotions, our desires, our decisions, our feelings, our thought processes. The heart is the core of who you are as a person. And we live in a culture that says, follow your heart. Follow your instincts. Follow your desires. Do what makes you happy. But the Bible paints a completely different picture of the human heart apart from God. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, that's what he wants. He always goes straight for the heart. And when our hearts are in the wrong place, we get anxiety, we get fear, we get depression, we get resentment, we get gossip, malice, slander, all the things that stop us from living the abundant life. And with so much noise, it's hard to hear that still, quiet voice inside of us when the world around us is so overpowering. When we turn on the TV, noise. When we turn on the radio, noise. When we scroll social media, noise. Everything is fighting for our attention, and everything is pulling at our heart. And that's why Solomon writes in Proverbs, he says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. If your heart is pure, then everything flowing from your heart will be pure. If your heart is impure, then everything flowing from your heart will be impure. And as people, we have a predisposition for heart problems. And so this morning, we're going to spend most of our time in the book of Matthew reading the words of Jesus. But first, I want to go back to the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah because he speaks to the condition of the human heart. Jeremiah was a prophet to the nation of Judah about 630 years before Jesus. And his ministry was to warn of the coming judgment of God to a nation who was stuck in their ways. Their hearts were hardened. And God tells Jeremiah, hey, I'm going to send you out to deliver a message that nobody's going to receive, but I need you to do it anyway. They called him the weeping prophet because his heart was so heavy because the people he was delivering the message to wouldn't change their hearts. And this is what God speaks through him in Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 9. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? 
But I, the Lord, search the hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. And that's pretty straightforward. And if we're honest, that's kind of offensive. Right? He says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. In other words, apart from God, the human heart cannot be trusted. Another word for deceitful is misleading. Right? How many of us have been misled by our heart before? It's to make someone believe something that is not true. And I know that in my life, my heart has led me to some really dark places. And that's why it's so important for me to have biblical accountability in my life, because without it, I can end up in places that I have no business being in. And so I have to submit to the people in my life. I have to submit to wise counsel. I have to have some people that I can bounce my ideas off of. Because every time I turn away from God and put my trust in myself, I become the object of my worship, and my life bears no fruit. Said another way, whenever my life is centered around me and my selfish desires, nothing is ever enough, nothing brings fulfillment, nothing brings satisfaction, and then I have to search for over and over and over again for the next thing. And when we look out into the world, that's exactly what we see. Everybody's trying to find something to fill that void in their heart. And so while the world says, follow your heart, Jesus says, no, follow me. Follow me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. And so if the heart is wicked and deceitful, but God says that he'll give you the desires of your heart, then the implication is that there has to be a heart change. There has to be a transformation. And I've been here a couple times before. I've shared my testimony. But in a nutshell, I spent about 15 years in drug addiction. I was addicted to heroin. I was addicted to methamphetamine. I was homeless, in and out of jail. I went to prison. But by the grace of God, I ended up at the men of Nehemiah where I had an encounter with Jesus and my life changed. But what I didn't know, thank you. So in spite of what my life was like before Christ, what I didn't know was when I first came to Christ, I would become religious. And so I wasn't using drugs anymore. I wasn't using dope anymore, right? Praise God for that, but my heart still had a lot of work that it needed to go under. And I found myself in a space while I was performing for God. But religion cannot change your heart. It just churches it up. It looks better from the outside. And in the book of Matthew chapter 15, there's a story starting in verse 1 of a group of Pharisees who travel to Galilee from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They want to see what he's all about. And what they get there, what they find is that his disciples are eating without ceremonially washing their hands. And so they're not so concerned about their bad hygiene. What they're trying to do is disqualify Jesus by pointing out that his disciples are not following the rules of Jewish tradition. And so how could Jesus possibly be who he says he is if his own disciples are not practicing the law? And Jesus cuts them right to the core because he knows that this accusation is coming from a place of total hypocrisy. And in essence, what he says is, hey, you're accusing my disciples of breaking laws made by men while you allow people to break the actual law of God by dishonoring their parents. And in verse 7, this is what he says. Jesus says, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Religion. He's speaking to that religious spirit. And as believers, it's really easy for us to find ourselves in that place. The furthest that I've ever positioned myself away from God, it wasn't when I was addicted to heroin. 
It wasn't when I was homeless on the streets. It wasn't when I was sitting in prison. Because that version of me, what you saw is what you got. But the furthest that I've ever positioned myself away from God was when I became self-righteous. See, when I first came to Christ, I was on fire for the Lord. I was on fire for the word. I wanted to wholeheartedly follow after Jesus. But the snare that I found myself in was that now all of a sudden I wanted to judge everybody in my life who wasn't walking the way that I was walking. He's not a Christian. He's not a true believer. And the Lord had to deal with me. And he showed me that the same things that I'm judging everybody else for are the same things that I'm doing in secret. I'm just better at hiding it. He said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And with your religious spirit, you're pushing people away from me. You're not pointing to Jesus. You're pointing to your self-righteousness. And I don't need your performance. I want your heart. Further down in the same passage of Scripture in verse 18, we see what Jesus says about the human heart. He says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. And I was guilty of all these things. I never murdered anybody, but I've murdered them in my mind and in my heart. And what he's saying is that we can go through all the motions, we can do all the right things externally, and still be prideful, self-centered, and totally throwed off. Jesus is not concerned with our religion. He's concerned with the condition of our heart. Because we can be clean on the outside, completely filthy on the inside. We can have these mountaintop experiences with God like I did when I came to know him at the Minna Nehemiah. But if we're not cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit, eventually our hearts are drawn to the things of this world, which are selfish and self-centered in nature. And so we begin to treasure money. We begin to treasure how people perceive us. We begin to treasure status. We begin to treasure the blessings, and we put the blesser on the back burner. And then Jesus just becomes an accessory in our life. It's my homeboy Jesus. All right, just put a little Jesus on it. And he says, no, I want your heart. I want all of you because I love you. There's another story in the book of Matthew about a young man who's got a lot of money. Right? This is in Matthew 19. And he comes to Jesus, and he wants to know what he has to do to have eternal life. And in verse 16, it says, Behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And the young man said, Which ones? And Jesus replied, Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, man, that's great. I'm doing all those things. I'm checking all those boxes. What else do I have to do? And then Jesus goes right to the heart. He says, if you want to be perfect, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Leave it all behind. And the Bible says that when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, it's usually that one thing that we're not willing to let go of, that's exactly what God wants. And it's not because he wants to take it away from you. It's because he wants you to experience true freedom, true happiness. And there's nothing wrong with prosperity. There's nothing wrong with achieving success. There's nothing wrong with financial gain. But when our desires become disordered, they become idols, and God wants to deal with our misplaced treasures. 
And so I have the privilege of serving at the men of Nehemiah and pouring into the lives of men who came from the same background that I came from, addiction. And it's a hard program. It's intense. It's nine months. And for the first six months, you don't get a phone, you can't work, you don't have any money, and honestly, there's no distractions. And so what we find, I went through the program, so I'm talking about me too, not just you guys. For those first six months, Jesus is our treasure. We praise, we worship, we study his word, we testify of his goodness in our lives. And then something happens at the six-month mark. Because when you're six months into the program, now you're eligible to start working. Now you're eligible to get a phone. Now you get some money in your pocket. And this is where the true test begins. Because as soon as you get a job, your devotion time goes out the window. As soon as you get a phone, your screen time goes up. We're just like a bunch of zombies walking around like this all day. Okay? As soon as you get some money in your pocket, now you have options. And your treasures begin to change. And if you start withdrawing from community, if you start isolating, if you don't pursue discipleship, it's only a matter of time before you go back out. Because the one thing that has kept you sober this whole time is now not the most important thing in your life anymore. Now, there's nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. You've got to have a job. Everybody has a phone. Got to have money. But when they become the center of our lives, they become a distraction to our godly purpose. This is what Jesus says about treasure. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I have to ask myself, where's my heart? What am I treasuring? Is Jesus the most valuable possession in my life? Is he worth more than anything that I own? Am I building my life on the foundation of Jesus? Because I know that storms are coming, and I don't want to crumble. Am I investing in kingdom building, relationships, discipleship, service? Because there's going to be a day when we leave this earth, and we can't take anything with us. And so while we're here, what are we living for? Are we living for the things of God, or are we living for the things of this world? Are we chasing money, status, and possessions, or are we using our blessings to benefit the people around us. What Jesus is saying is don't invest in things that are fleeting. There's nothing wrong with those things, but put your investment in everlasting treasure. Things like love, service, relationships. He says whoever finds his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. You can't take it with you, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And we start to see that our heart condition has little to do with how we feel and a lot more to do with how we treat other people. The two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love people. It's that simple. If we can get that right, everything else will flow from there. And they go hand in hand. If I say that I love God, but I have hate in my heart towards my brother, then I can't be loving God. And that's hard because I don't necessarily like everybody. But I'm still called to love them through my actions. And honestly, I kind of feel like, I think there's a scripture for this. 
God is more pleased when we love somebody in spite of us not liking them. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from the Sermon on the Mount. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Something happens to our hearts when we pour ourselves out for the sake of others. Our hearts begin to change and mold into the image of Christ. When we sacrificially love people, especially when it's hard, we become Christ-like. And then he begins to transform our heart. He writes his word on the tablet of our heart. The purification of the heart comes through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And this is how it works. When I spend intentional time and devotion with God, he reveals me to myself. He shows me my heart. And when he reveals me to me, now I know exactly what I need to do. And then I have two choices. I can either ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and stay the same, or I can be obedient and take action and grow spiritually. Sometimes it looks like righting a wrong. I mess up all the time. i got to ask for forgiveness. And in my quiet time, the Lord will put somebody on my heart and be like, you know you messed up. All right, Lord, i got to go make that right. Sometimes it's forgiving somebody else. Somebody will be living rent-free in my mind for a month, and then finally the Lord will put them on my heart and be like, man, you need to let that go. You need to forgive that person. Pray for that person. Sometimes it looks like calling a friend. You know when you're driving down the street and then all of a sudden somebody will just pop up in your mind? That's a perfect opportunity to practice obedience and call on that person. Say, hey man, I'm thinking about you. How can I be praying for you? And then this one's really hard. Sometimes it's an area of my life where I need to practice surrender and give up control. Because I want to control everything. And so in my quiet time, the Lord will be like, man, that's not for you. You need to let that go. And so the answer to a deceitful and misleading heart is to line it up against the word of truth. And that can only happen when I acknowledge God in all my ways, and then he's the one who makes my path straight. As soon as I yield to that still, quiet voice, I begin to grow spiritually. The only way to grow spiritually is through obedience to the Holy Spirit. And God reveals himself in the action. He reveals himself in the doing. When he puts something on on our heart, and we respond in faith, we immediately begin to grow. It's Jesus who changes our hearts. And in his grace, he gives us new ideas, new wisdom, new desires, new treasures. We become new creations. The old has gone, the new has come, but we have to learn to hear his voice. And we do that by examining our hearts and cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's primary ministry is to make us more Christ-like. So in this fast-paced world, I know y'all feel it, right, where everything is fighting for our attention, where everything is pulling at our hearts, where we can have instant gratification faster than any other time in history. It's right there at our fingertips. We have to learn how to unplug and spend time in the presence of God, whatever that looks like for you. It's not a one-size-fits-all. This is a relationship. But it's through intentional intimacy that we begin to align our hearts with God's heart. In Psalm 32, this is what King David says. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. Life can feel like that sometimes. Like rushing waters. 
We're going from one thing to the next thing, and we're checking off our to-do list, and we're trying to get to that next time block, and our lives are so busy, and it's so hard to hear from God. But then he says, you, God, are a hiding place for me. You, God, preserve me from trouble. You, God, surround me with shouts of deliverance. Even in the midst of the rushing waters, we can find peace in Christ. When we're in Christ, he becomes our shield. He's our fortress. He's our strength. He does the heavy lifting. And it's a daily practice. And maybe it looks like putting your phone away and just being still before God. Maybe it looks like committing to reading your word for 10, 15, 20 minutes just to allow it to get into your heart. Maybe it looks like spending time in prayer and meditation or fasting, whatever it is. It's about developing spiritual disciplines that cultivate our relationship with God so that we can know him more, so that he becomes real to us. Something I've been thinking about lately, praying about, is like in my heart, do I really believe that Jesus is still as powerful today as he was 2,000 years ago? Do I really believe that he's still in the business of transforming hearts? And so maybe today your heart feels far from God. Maybe the weight of the world has you burdened. Maybe you're tired of playing the religion game, keeping up appearances, performing for God. Or maybe you're like me and you're just tired for no reason. Jesus offers rest. He says, come to me. My yoke is easy. Come to me. My burden is light. Come to me. I will give you rest. That's a promise. So as I pray, I just ask that we would take a quick inventory, that we would examine our hearts. And if you haven't heard from God in a while, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Right? It's not going to be some loud, audible voice unless he wants it to be. And it's going to be a still, quiet voice inside of you, and sometimes we've got to get rid of all those distractions just so we can hear him. And collectively, as the body, I'm talking to myself too, let's build our lives on the foundation of Jesus. He is a firm foundation. He is gentle. He is lowly. He is patient. It's Jesus who transforms our hearts. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your grace over our lives. We thank you that you are a God who understands us. We thank you that you are patient with us, Lord. We know that you want all of us because you care for us. And we know that your word is not meant to be a burden, but it's meant to bring us true freedom in Christ. So Holy Spirit, lead us guide us, direct us, teach us how to be more like Jesus. I just pray that we would decrease so that you could increase. Help us to think about ourselves less and you more. Help us to think about ourselves less and others more. We thank you for the gift of relationship, God. Search our hearts because you already know what's in them. We thank you for who you are. And we'll be mindful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And it's in your holy name I pray. Amen.